2: Mahomes over the middle, pass caught, Kelsey, touchdown, he's got another, touchdown, Kelsey looking for his third, he found it, touchdown, end zone, he's got another, four on the night. Carr, Adams, downfield, he's got it, touchdown, Las Vegas, they hand to Jacobs, and he, no signal, they didn't get it, and the Chiefs still lead by one, Carr, Receiver falls down. There are no flags. And the Chiefs will take over and win this game.
3: <laughs> if you're a Raiders fan, sometimes you got to laugh just to stop from crying. Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams run into each other on the final offensive play for the Raiders of the game. It was fourth and one. The Chiefs come away with a victory. 30 to 29 I'm Greg Rosenthal I'm here in the NFL media newsroom annoying the hell out of people still working here tonight but our studio isn't working and I'm glad joining me remotely Steve Palazzolo from PFF the host of the PFF podcast and uh, the tallest man I know Steve welcome to the show we got a good game to talk about
2: Oh yeah, fantastic! Appreciate it, Greg. Always uh, look—you're you're like a legend on our podcast. So always, always good to. Uh, I hang wish you out did. You bit. did
3: throw my name out there a couple of times, just in terms of my Geno love. I guess the Geno thing's been great for the brand. I also pointed out before this week that Travis Kelsey would do something good this week. I was really out on a limb. And it happened in this game, uh, four touchdowns. You're on the East Coast, Steve. So, uh, you know, you're in Cincinnati, uh, which is a special place for hear us on the podcast. So, I don't want to keep you up too late. Let's get to it. Let's start at the end with that last sequence of plays for the Raiders. They get the ball back with a little over two minutes to go, down by one point. I think around the 10 yard line, all they need is to set up a field goal to go win. They get into a third and one situation, still with plenty of time. Incomplete to Devonte Adams. He can't get his feet in bounds before he, uh, you know, brings the ball in. Really on him. And then fourth and one. Like, what did you think of that ending sequence? What did you think of the play calls? Like, what are you thinking, Steve?
2: <laughs> I, I don't even. Know. I don't know how you guys record like right after a game because I, I need to digest <laughs> yeah, all, especially this type of game. But I, I, I thought when they went under center, I was thinking quick QB. They had no timeouts. I was thinking quick QB sneak and then run up and spike it, maybe run up, you know, grab a play. Because you're really only looking for 10 to 15 yards. And then the Raiders, I mean, they, they pulled out the first play. With their first fourth and one play, they say, hey, it worked in the first quarter, let's do it here, and, and let's go for the whole thing. They didn't need to hit a home run, but they went for it. But that part, that part's risky. I mean, you, you, especially with Daniel Carl, Carlson. Like, if you're the Chiefs, with your uneven kicker situation, I think you're playing it differently. But well, the way Carlson's kicking the ball, man... I don't know. I I would have just tried to pick up that first down. But uh, hey, I, I like the Raiders' aggressiveness overall in this I, game. I though.
3: liked them, and them being aggressive, you're absolutely right. We'll get to that, is one of the reasons they were in this game. And I liked being aggressive on third and one. You know, I'm watching the game thinking, oh, this is a great spot. They just set up a second and one after a nice throw uh, to Renfro. At that point, there's 51 seconds left, and that's a nice play to take a shot you might get uh, more favorable coverage uh on that third down and they did Devonte adams smokes his receiver Carb gives him a beautiful ball and and that's what's the killer thing sometimes it's like as a fan or as just an analyst you like want someone to blame but it's stupid i mean it was a perfect play call adams makes that catch cleanly on the sidelines most of the time and they would have been in field goal range right there But when you get to fourth and one, to me, we've seen this all over the NFL. And Andy Reid does it successfully. It's like no one wants to run on fourth and one. But this was a great Josh Jacobs game. And I was just hoping, you know, just they haven't stopped Josh Jacobs all night. Hand the ball off to Josh Jacobs, get the first down. And then on your way, you
2: still have about 40 seconds to go. They did have enough time to run the ball. And and I I really think every team... We, we saw the Eagles, you know, with the million QB sneaks. We've seen Jacoby Brissett become a QB sneak specialist when he's the backup wow. and, and and just as much as a starter. I think every team should have the QB sneak package and then a lot of what the Patriots have done through the years where it's like, all right, if they do stack the A gaps, you get that little outside zone run where you're, you're just outgapping. Like, you should be able to outgap the defense with a QB sneak, run left, run right on every single fourth and one. Now, fourth and... You know, a long one Even the or two. you
3: could have done a hurry up. The Eagles did a great job doing that yeah.
2: on uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Look, I mean, it, I, I joke that like you could just call better plays. It, it's easy <laughs> when we're sitting watching, but <laughs> there there are probably like, is there going to be an advantage at some point in the NFL if teams are going for it on fourth down this much? Can some teams just be better? In those situations, will will they just always, can they find a schematic advantage? Can they find something that will raise them? Because we always talk about the percentages of if you go for it and right. what's going to happen if you get it or if you don't. But what if you can increase your odds just a little bit when you go for it? And I, I think that's what I don't know if there's an edge there. It, it, it's it's kind of like, let's be good in the red zone, right? It's like, well, yeah, it's let's, more let's of a be prayer. good at running
3: the ball, basically. <laughs> right? And I think a lot of teams are doing that this year. The teams that are, are finding advantages it was such a heartbreaking way to lose though. Cause to, to back up a minute that the Raiders had a 17, nothing lead in this game. Uh, they give it up uh, the chart. They go for a two point conversion down 24 uh, or down 30 to 29 with four twenty seven to go, a decision I really liked for a lot of reasons. They didn't get it. So they're down one point, but they actually get the ball back. And I, Just the way this Raiders season has gone with some brutal losses. All four of their losses have been close. The the Cardinals loss and this loss were crazy. It just felt sometimes like you got to know what you're good at. And, man, they've really, I think, developed already into a pretty good run-blocking team despite having a ragtag group of blockers. They were putting six offensive linemen on the field tonight, and they were running the ball really well. Josh Jacobs ends up with 154 on the ground, 39 through the air. He's awesome. And they went away from him at the last second and they don't get that win in Arrowhead that just felt like it was there. Like this is their their white whale is beating Patrick Mahomes if
2: you're Derek Carr. And now he's lost eight of nine career games to him. I mean, isn't it you just need everything to go right to beat the Chiefs. I mean, you look at the, the start that the Raiders had being up 17-0, like you said, it, it felt like Josh McDaniels dusted off the 2018 AFC championship. Uh, it was a different team, uh, but it was against the Chiefs, right? Um, having a fullback, running power, running play action off of same that. Same dude,
3: Jakob Johnson running Yeah, you've
2: got the same fullback, like same idea, except you just threw an extra offensive lineman in there. And again, you've got that early aggressiveness. They go for it on fourth and one, hit the bomb to Devontae Adams for a 58-yarder. But everything has to go right against the Chiefs. You go from, hey, we're we're running the ball, we're hitting some big plays, we're rushing the you know the Mahomes and pressuring him, and still didn't matter. They still find a way. The Chiefs to to you know just adjust enough and just be special enough between Mahomes and Kelsey and some of their other guys.
3: And they well, and they shorten the game too. Like the, I never buy into the shorten the game thing unless you're really unless it in- works. Well, unless you're really inferior, and it's co- sort of like a way that like. If you don't have a lot of talent, I like the idea of having Don Martindale as your defensive coordinator because you're almost like a college team trying to scheme above your talent level. Shortening yeah. the game is sort of a different way to do that. But even though they shortened this game, there was only about eight or nine possessions for, for each team. Their defense stopped getting stops after the first three possessions. The, the Chiefs, until that final punt, went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Touchdown. So, yes, you had shortened the game, but the Chiefs still ended up with way more plays. Uh, and they still ended up with 30 points despite having only eight or nine possessions. And that's why I want I, the next thing I want to ask is just like kind of where you see Mahomes in this offense right now. Because there was a period of this game where he felt like he could do anything, he's really doing a good job moving outside the pocket when he needs to, staying inside. He picked up rushing yards when he moved. It It seems like the game is moving very slow for him. And at a certain point in this game, it felt like he could do just about anything and that they weren't going to get any more stops. And that felt like last week. It felt like week one. It felt like the Chiefs of 2018 to 2020.
2: Yeah, I mean, the big question coming into the season was how how much are they going to miss Tyree Kill? Because we've seen, I mean, Tyree Kill is still a special player, but the one of the... Questions on top of that was, was it going to change the way Mahomes played? Was he going to rely less on the two guys? And we see that, right? It's Valdes, one drive, it's Valdez Scantling, you see Juju, you see Mikko uh, Hardman, and Kelsey's obviously the guy. At, at, at all points, what, you know, like Aikman was saying, whether it's zone, whether it's man, it doesn't really matter. Like, that guy can get open. There was a point where the Raiders, not in the red zone, mind you, but there was a point in the Raiders on third and 15, put two guys on Travis Kelsey. Third and 15, they got Cleveland Farrell trying to press him at the line with another defender there. Of course, it's illegal hands to the face. So, yeah, yeah but That's I mean, a
3: great play to point out. Not only did they have to penalize uh, Kelsey to take him out of the play, but they hit that third and 15 with like and a – was that the ridiculous? Was that a the kind of the sidearm up the middle? I'm, I'm yes. losing track of the ridiculous <laughs> Mahomes plays in this game. But that was a thing. Even when they would get sacks and penalties against them, they were getting out of the long yarded situations, which is very Chiefsy.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a Raiders fan, or anytime you're going up against Mahomes, it's like you're you're looking for any kind of win. Oh, you got you finally got a sack. I mean, there, there there's nobody in the NFL better at avoiding sacks than Patrick Mahomes. Now he invites pressure himself. But he knows how to maneuver the pocket. He knows how to get out of the pocket. I think the way you described it was great. Anytime an edge defender will stunt, he'll get outside the pocket, right? He's just got a such good feel, spatial awareness, which, and, and I like the fact that he's spreading the ball around and he's not just, it's not a three man game anymore. There's Kelsey, who's your go to, but you got these other guys. Mahomes doing a great job throwing the ball accurately. And he, he was unstoppable in the middle of that game.
3: I mean, Kelsey had the fourth, uh, fewest yardage in this game. He had, a, a truly amazing stat line: seven catches, twenty-five yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> four touchdowns. Two of those were one-yard touchdowns. This was the Bubba Franks special. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> old oh yeah, Bubba Fra- I remember Bubba. Like there was a time in fantasy football where Bubba Frank's would get drafted maybe ninth, even though you knew he wasn't going over two hundred yards on the season, because two hundred yards and like eight touchdowns was good enough for <laughs> yes. to be the ninth best tight end in like two thousand and six.
2: I don't, I don't want to hijack it with fantasy talk, but I did no. have Josh Jacobs, Travis Kelsey, and Devontae Adams tonight. Ooh. I wasn't even watching the score. I was like, oh, I'm down like 50 going into the game. I ended up winning by 60 or whatever it was. So, hey, big game for all those guys. That, yeah.
3: that, that's a good job by you. I think you should mention it. I, I mentioned on the podcast, we'll get to that a little later, um, that I expected something special out of Travis Kelsey. He was so on a limb. Uh, I do want to mention for listeners, um, because I think Dan's mentioned it on the show, and we're going to get down to breaking down this game a little more. This game, sometimes on these Monday nights, there's only so much to talk about. I could talk about this game for a long time. But I do want to point out, right now we have the biggest gap um, in height in terms of an NFL podcast in history. You were listed on your baseball reference page, and so I'm going by the facts. I don't know if this is right. At 6'10", you were a minor league um, relief pitcher. Made it up to triple A. I'm 5'6 if you round up. I know your co-host on PFF says, like, everyone thinks he's, like, this little midget um, <laughs> because he's always next to you. And when he says that, it hurts my feelings because I am that little midget. You know, I, I really am that short. So the two of us together would be unstoppable, I
2: think. Yeah, we got to do these. Uh, we got to get in person here at the Combine <laughs> and and really – you know really make the, the record official for sure but i am listed like, at 610 th- so that's isn't
3: real. it annoying to you that just like it doesn't help you at all in this format that it's the it's a great equalizer like um uh yeah. your height is doing nothing for you right now
2: just sitting here on my chair you know no, you're eye, the eye. one
3: like this isn't even your job you're up at midnight right now uh <laughs> helping me out what did you think of the andy reed punt fourth and three uh Three minutes to go, I believe. I'm going to get the exact uh, time right here. It was uh, fourth and three. They had just set up a second and three. Felt like the game was about to end, Steve. Yes. Uh, the Raiders take their second time out. At that point, it's 2.40. The Raiders hadn't had a stop in forever. Um, Andy Reid, being the genius that he is, like breaks out his sky more package with the game on the line. Like out of nowhere, he just has yes. different sky more swing passes that are working like a charm to get eight yards at a time. Uh, Edward Edward is running the ball. Well, they basically need three yards and the game is almost over. Uh, but De- Devon Diablo makes a great tackle on second down. And then, they go for a deep shot to McCole Hardman, which it hasn't worked all, all, all season. Hardman never seems to run the right routes. I like to blame him, not Mahomes. Uh, and <laughs> they, at that point, have two minutes and 36 seconds left at the, the Vegas 46. So we've seen a lot of aggressive fourth down calls lately. Uh, Andy Reid chooses to punt there. What did you think?
2: I didn't hate the punt on fourth and three. I I, I saw some, mo- I don't know what a, the PFF model would have had. I don't have it up during the game. I'm not that into it. But I saw some models that had like a strong, strong go for the Chiefs. I, I don't know if it's that strong. But look, the models basically factor in how easy it is to move the ball 30 or 40 yards in today's NFL. Now, maybe now this year offense is down a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit more difficult, but it factors in being able to move the ball. So that's why. Well, it's funny. They actually got back to that exact yard line. That's where they, they stopped was
3: the 46. They, they got did. back there with 51 seconds to go, which is not really a trade-off you would want if you're a Chiefs fan.
2: No, you wouldn't. I mean, that, that's that's the thing, right? Like nobody, I, I know Brandon Staley went for it yesterday and it was fourth and one and a half to whatever it was. I'm intrigued by that, though, right? You are one play away from winning. This was the New England Patriots 2009, Bill Belichick against Peyton Manning. And the explanation was we were afraid of Peyton Manning, right? We haven't stopped him all day. But I really think there's, there's something attractive about being one play away from victory, right? Like I think people underrate being one play away from the win versus 10 to 15 plays to, you know, to seal the win.
3: Yeah, and it wasn't surprising either because as as aggressive as Andy Reid is and coming up with all these plays in the red zone, and they did a great job. Like sometimes I just want them to run the ball up the middle on a one yard run because that's a percentage play too, and you should sure. you, you need to be good at that some at some point in the NFL season. And yet tonight they absolutely refused to, and they made the right call every time. They like had a wide open receiver, so it's it's hard to really blame Andy Reid. But fundamentally, he's kind of conservative. He's still an old school coach, even though he's aggressive. In terms of his play calls. It didn't surprise me that he punted there. And it didn't surprise me that the Raiders got back in position. Devontae Adams ends up with a weird stat line too. Three for 124, two touchdowns, and he drew two long pass interferences. Steve Spagnolo like came out aggressive. It was not working. But when it came down to it, Steve, on that final fourth down play, I kind of this thing I love about Spags is like how many rushers did he send there? It was at least six. It might have been seven. So I don't impressive. know, like, if a run up the middle would have worked there either. There was a lot of bodies uh, coming. Like, if you had, like, like, it sounds great, yeah, run it up the middle. Like, a toss to the left uh, would have maybe won the Madden play, and you end up running 30 <laughs> yards down the sideline. But, like, this isn't Madden. You, d- you don't get to find out what the call is ahead of time. But that was very Andy Reid all night and very Steve Spagnuolo.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if it was – I don't know if he was trying to blitz, you know, for the pass. I I really think it it looked like guys were creeping to, to, to take away the QB sneak to take away the, you know, Josh Jacobs right up the middle, but yeah, they were, they were aggressive and the Raiders were aggressive back. And I think, you know, makes for, it was kind of a, It's a climactic ending. It's just like, oh, Hunter Renfro runs into Devontae.
3: (laughs) I know. It's embarrassing. It was such an anticlimactic ending. To one of the best games of the year, I think. This was a really exciting game. It had a little bit of everything, uh, including controversy. Um, Let's get to the Chris Jones call. I know everyone is fired up about that. I get it. Chris Jones called for a roughing the passer on a play that he forced the fumble. Did something I've never really seen in that you know, he knocked the ball out and then possessed the ball almost simultaneously. He didn't take the ball. It just sort Mm of bounced. You know, he just immediately was in his possession. And before he even landed on Mahomes, he had the ball and they called roughing the passer. And I think it was full body weight on the quarterback uh, was the explanation. Of course, he was sacking Derek Carr, not Mahomes. Uh, That ends up giving the ball or allowing the Raiders to keep the ball. They end up getting a a field goal out of the situation and people lost their minds. Like bad calls are going to happen. There's been a few of these. This wasn't as bad as the Tom Brady call on Sunday, but it was close. Like, like, what do you think realistically we can do here? I guess would be my question.
2: There's you have somebody in their ear. I mean, there is someone in their ear and there's enough time for them to review that. Like, there was enough time yesterday to say Tom Brady was not maliciously thrown to the ground. He was tackled. I mean, he was tackled the same way Tua was tackled, the same way Mahomes was tackled tonight. Same way. The Jones car Carr
3: Carr was... I mean, it was in a different way, but that was... Yeah. It was a clean play by Jones. It didn't even feel like the body weight thing because he put his arm
2: down. Right. What else can he do? and, And I don't even know how defenders... Like, how do you you know, change the the laws of gravity. Like when you're tackling someone to roll off of them, they're being taught to try to like roll off. They're actually the doing a
3: pretty good job. You know, the only thing is they actually have learned to pretty much avoid those types of plays, but it was like the angle that the ref saw. I think if he saw it from a different angle, he wouldn't have called it and it was just a
2: bad call. That was the old <laughs> Tony Saragusa play against Rich Gannon, right? Like Saragusa just went like full body splash on Rich Gannon in the AFC championship and knocked him out and the Ravens go to the Super Bowl. But in this one, it's like Jones is like you're saying in the middle of stripping the ball. He puts his other hand down, and yeah, some weight went on Derek Carr. Like that, that was inevitable because he stripped it. That was one of the best defensive plays of the year, and it would have. I mean, look, the Chiefs ended up winning anyway. It would. It was. It was in the middle of turning things around for the Chiefs, but it was an incredible play and uh, yeah, pretty bad call.
3: Yeah, if Chris Jones had been on the wrong side of two of the most insane calls of the year that cost the Chiefs their two losses, uh, that would have been interesting. I don't know if it was a ball don't lie situation, but the Raiders, you know, ended up kicking the field goal there. They got a little conservative a couple times. They kicked a field goal on a fourth and one. They also set up a field goal with like a draw on third and eight at one point. After being aggressive, they were almost playing for three, which I didn't love, and the Chiefs got a quick three back despite only having 30 or 40 seconds which ended up being a big sequence and i and i'm on twitter i'm doing this channel five coverage in the uk for monday Night football and i see how just people are mad because it's like it's no longer football anymore that's what tony dungy said and troy aikman's making like take off the dresses and stuff and and i get that and and the and the emphasis is 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 there to protect the quarterbacks i just think if if there's someone in someone's ear to change these calls on the field in terms of in or out of bounds that quickly, and they're doing it a lot, they're doing a lot more than they even announced. Like, why can't you just do that? Those calls. I I just feel like that's the next step. Because they're going to keep making mistakes. It's an the people get so mad at the refs after watching a couple games on the sidelines. I'm amazed. Any call is ever so
2: fast. It's people don't realize how like high school games look fast to me. (laughs) NFL games are so fast. It is so difficult like Patrick to make Mahomes
3: those makes three or four major errors in every game, and he's the best at what he did. Like, the refs are going right. to mess up calls, especially these calls, what they're being asked to do. So it's like, how can we fix that? I don't know. It's.
2: I mean, if if the ref throws a flag, I think I saw something, and somebody's just in his ear, and like, I, I would do it for everything. Like, is that a pick play? The number of times that they – I mean, Chris Jones got held on a call later. Pretty blatant hold. There's a pick play. Like pick plays are just a a guessing game. Did you run a route? Did you fake it enough? Did you act enough? Oh, this is a pick. This isn't a pick. And then the roughing the passer. I mean, if they just throw the flag, I think I saw it. Wait ten seconds. uh no. Can't really do much about that. All right, pull up the pick the flag. (laughs) People aren't going to be that upset. They're they're they're,
3: going to say it's a Pandora's box and look at what happened with the pass interference a couple years ago. And you don't want to delay the game and. I guess I would say though they, they have the the spotters there now at the game. They have the extra official up in the booth. They're pretty quick on some of these and yeah. I don't know how you break it down, but I think they can they can figure it out. But in the meantime like everyone just take a deep breath cuz this <laughs> is going to keep happening like good
2: entertaining game, but look, the the big picture thing is we're we're also a week removed from the Tua concussion thing. And if you're gonna if you're gonna err on the side of caution because of you know head injuries, that's I don't know is that the worst thing in the world? It, that's it's gonna, it might make for that's some why bad I didn't calls. I did have a problem
3: but. with them not letting Teddy Bridgewater back into the game, even though no one actually had a video of what happened. Someone saw what happened, and we and we've seen the players can convince themselves back into the game. This was a very different situation, and I think roughing the passer is a very difficult one to to call because even that tom brady call which was terrible you can see in live speed how someone would make a mistake and that's all that's my yeah. only point is like mistakes will happen sure. um there was also a crazy penalty on the chiefs chiefs had a missed field goal attempt uh we never got a good replay of that i don't they usually don't get those calls wrong but it was a def, it was a holding on special teams that led directly to seven points like there was on a lot fourth going on like here.
2: 14 or whatever that 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 drives me nuts in general, like the five-yard penalty that's the automatic first down. Um, that, I know it's the rule, defensive hold. I get why they have it, but defensive hold on a field goal, like that was a game-changer too. That was a total
3: game-changer because the Chiefs uh, kicker, what was his name, Wright Matthew Wright, had a wild up-and-down game, missed a couple field goals, including that one that got pulled off the board, but also made a 59-yarder, which is pretty right. amazing at the buzzer. Kick. Uh, this game had a little bit of everything, and I really feel for you, Raiders Nation. You are the best one and four team in the league. I mean, I'm giving you that.
2: They're like comparable to the Giants, who are four and one. You're not what your record was. I don't care what Bill Parcells says, you are not what your record says.
3: No, I think the Raiders have shown progress. I don't have like a lot of love for their defense, but they do have, you know, one of the three or four best edge rushers in the league. Max Crosby, who had another monster game, Chandler Jones is getting better. He's at least made an impact the last couple of weeks. I think they're close. There's so little difference between them and most of the three and two teams uh, out there. And, and they have a easier part of the schedule coming up. But this was a heartbreaker because they could have gone into their bye at two and three, which would have felt more fair. But life's especially not with fair, the win. Steve.
2: Yeah, especially with the win over the Chiefs. I, I don't know how much it takes for Derek Carr adjusting to the new system. Josh McDaniels runs completely different stuff from John Gruden, completely different terminology. We, we might be underrating the adjustment period maybe for Carr Oh, McDaniels. I think.
3: And I think it's you can see it. Like I mentioned with the offensive line, this is a bad-looking offensive line on paper, but they've they've gotten that Patriots running game going yeah. the last couple of weeks. And Josh Jacobs is an incredible player right now, making people miss. Yes. It's it's coming along. It, it's coming. I think Derek Carr looked more comfortable this week too. I just overall, it's coming along. But they're one and four. Um, yeah, football's not fair. Genetics aren't fair. You know, you got six ten. You know how good a – well, I don't know. 6'10 might be too tall for tennis. Tennis was my thing. Actually, 6'10 is way too tall for tennis. I you. Yeah, yeah. You wanna, I don't you move be like, all that well. You want to be 6'1. Like a, a ridiculous uh, percentage of the greatest male tennis players of all time are between 6'0 and 6'2. It's like you don't want to be taller than that. You don't want to be shorter. Like,
2: yeah. yeah, that was like I, I wanted to perfect. be a major league shortstop, and then before you know Ooh. it, I was way too tall for that, so I was like I'll, I guess I'll pitch. Well, I was
3: right. um you know a member of the uh Shield Softball Team Championship of mm-hmm. two thousand and seventeen. So um got <laughs> Congrats, some bona fides too. That's impressive. It was huge. Uh thank you for coming, Steve. Uh you do a great job. I love uh the PFF podcast. They have they make our recap show look like um I don't know, like uh like a episode of The Office or something. Like your show goes what, two and a half hours sometimes? Like we go
2: about yeah, two and a half hours on a Monday morning. I, and I feel like we leave a little bit. I, there's always a one fan base is like, you didn't talk about my team. I'm like, no, oh, man, you don't
3: leave I, that much I, on the bone. I, yeah. you, you and Sam, you, you, you eat that bone, but you tangents. do a great job. A lot of tangents. Uh, and you guys are great in, in terms of draft coverage too. I really love you guys during draft season. Not that you aren't great all season long, uh, but people should check out the PFF podcast. Steve uh, doing great work over there. And you, you're like, I don't even know what you do. You're like an executive too. I and mean, then you're just like, <laughs> You're like Andrew Hawkins, who just you know like Little sprinkles in being the on-air talent, but your actual job is being an executive. So you're a smart one. Uh, thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Greg. Go to go to bed. Thanks for staying up with me. I'm gonna finish this it. show off. See you later, Steve. Uh, with a top six tight end list, and I'm gonna welcome in Grave Digger. Uh, first, I want uh, Justin for you to play uh, the clip of like one of the boldest takes I've ever had on this podcast. This came on the Friday fun show. Everyone should be listening to this. every anyway. week. All right. My prediction is just that Travis, Kelsey wrecks shop against the Raiders. It's like all these <laughs> other tight end come along lately is Oh, Darren Waller is going to be the future. Oh, Kyle Pitts is going to be the future. Oh, like he, here's this guy, this guy, who's still the best tight end in the freaking NFL. It's Travis Kelsey. He's on pace to have one of his very best seasons ever. Travis oh. Kelsey still he's still got the championship. Wait, what is that? End. But what's your prediction? Because I'm mean, seeing this was, uh, this was hero of the week. Good. He's the hero. He's the hero. All yeah, right. My you know, prediction Graver, is just that Travis Kelsey wrecks shop <laughs> against the Raiders. It's like all these <laughs> other tight end come along lately. This, oh, please, please, Darren Waller. I can't going. listen to myself anywhere. That was so long. <laughs> you didn't help me out, Graver, because you just put along the, the bottom. Travis Kelsey will be good. Well, you know what? I don't care. Maybe that sounded safe, but whatever. Travis Kelsey did something memorable tonight. He scored four touchdowns. I think you get full credit for that. That was an excellent prediction. You know, part of it was I was thinking, maybe I'm going to set up this Monday night pod. I'm going to finish every Monday night pod. Now that we're back here in the States, got my jet lag is gone with a top six list to wrap up every Monday night football recap. And I thought tonight with Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller playing, we're going to do my top six tight ends in the NFL right now. This is like a power ranking. This is like the tight end index. Maybe that'll be my new IP. You know, so it's just about where they are right now. It's not historically. It's who's the best tight ends in the league right now. So Darren Waller, you're not making it. You've had a sloppy year. He left today with a hamstring injury after about seven uh, snaps. Doesn't have a lot of production. Normally he would be on this list. Uh, there's other some other injured players that aren't going to make it. Number six, I'm throwing Taysom Hill because he qualifies there in uh, fantasy leagues. So I, I don't know really what he is, but just Taysom Hill has made a massive difference on the Saints, and it's a thin uh, season right now uh, among tight ends. I thought about Gerald Everett for this last spot, who's actually playing really well. Uh, number five, I am giving uh, George Kittle a little bit of like historical love. He, I know he's had a slow start to the year coming off an injury, uh, did lead the uh, 49ers in targets and catches. So he gets kind of grandfathered in at number five just because he's George Kittle. Number four, David Njoku. What a weird um, contract that was, Graver, in the offseason. People are like, you're paying David Njoku that money, and now look at David Njoku making plays each and every week. And I, he has the reputation as a great blocker and went to PFF to check his blocking score. It's fantastic. Right now you can make the case Njoku – is the most complete tight end in the NFL. How about that? Wow. And he's probably Cleveland's second best receiver right now. So. He's making big plays each week. Number three is Dallas Goddard, always been underrated. Dallas Goddard is averaging over 10 yards after the catch per catch. That's ridiculous. And like, is, I was like, is that a thing? I know it's a lot of tight end screens, uh, but like Travis Kelsey, he is very good in terms of weaving in between defenders, knocking people over, always getting uh, some extra yards, really good hands, really good in the red zone. He's gotten better every season of his career. I've always liked Dallas Goddard. Now he, he's on pace to go over 1,000 yards. He's incredible. He's still a tick behind Mark Andrews, who's the man who I, who I think – Is kind of the Jenga piece other than Lamar Jackson on the Ravens offense. If they ever lost Mark Andrews, they would be in huge trouble. He's producing again. uh, He'll have a drop or two, but he'll also have incredible catches. Uh, And so you'll take the drops. Uh, He's number two. And then number one, still, still Kelsey. I mean, I knew it coming into tonight. I feel the same way right now. He's not only are his hands good and he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, I believe. And his yards after the catch on that, like eight yard touchdown, he's so good at just having people bounce off him. But he understands leverage and zone defenses. And him and Mahomes just improvise in a way that even Gronk and Tom Brady never could because they weren't about that improvisational life. They were about reading the coverage the same, like that Kelsey touchdown where he ran across and ended up beating those tackles. It's like, that was not the play call. He, he runs across, knocks a dude over, they lock eyes, and they always just, like, figure out. it. Like, when they play football, it's like, it's like jazz music, Justin Graver. That's why he's number one. And he's not just good at weaving with, like, his eyes and his vision, but he's hard to bring down. He was stiff. He stiff-armed two Raiders to the turf on that touchdown. No. And people are like, it's like, oh, well, he's not that much of a blocker. A, um, he's fine. He gets the job done. Um, the variety with which they use him and and sometimes put him in line is enough. Uh, He gets in the way and the way they use all their tight ends are great. And uh, there was a moment last year I thought he was maybe starting to get a little older and uh, that moment has passed. He looks incredible this year and their offense is going to be just fine without Tyreek Hill, 30 to 29, man, this was a long one, but it was a a great game. I feel for the Raiders though. I, I was pulling for them at the end. Like yeah. I usually just pull for Mahomes, and by the end of that, you're just like, give the Raiders a little bone. Give tough, tough loss there. Ah, all right, Justin. We'll be back on Tuesday with uh, Dan and uh, Mark. We're gonna talk a little frisky. We're gonna talk a little spicy. Until then, go ahead, heed the call. See you Tuesday.